Morning, Mr. Jeffers. Morning, Mr. Briggs. How's your day? Very well. How can I help you? Mama needs some flour. How many pounds? Just a 20-pound bag will do. 20 pounds of flour. That'll be one dollar and a nickel. Yeah, uh, could you apply it to my mother's account? <laughs> Don't feed them. Just staying long enough to water the horses. I'm a running late. All right, Ben. Welcome to Cable Spring. Glad you made it. Come on and have a drink of the best damn water for 50 mile around. Found it where it wasn't. That'll be $25 even. Prices are kind of high around here. I might maybe go 200. You might maybe go more than that, because you'll get more than that, because it's mine. Three. 250. Three, and I'll throw the saddle in for cash. 295. No. 296. 97? 98? Oh. <laughs> Mr. Brooks, that makes me the best haggler. <laughs> best in the world, Moses. Yes, sir. How much? Twenty dollars. <laughs> no. Fifty dollars. milk, chocolate. Looking for something special. Now, what's the most expensive you've got? Uh... How much for all this stuff? Three dollars. Yeah, I'm sure those regulators would pay plenty for the man who could identify Josie Wales. Looking so. Howdy, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of The Searcher's Podcast. This is your host, Ben, and I'm very happy to announce our first ever Trading Post episode. This episode was partially inspired by our dear friend and listener of the pod, Mr. Mitch Caps. Similar to our Cinema Crusades episodes, Trading Post episodes will be a little bit more broad in scope because they feature two reviews from each host. So for today's episode, it will be six movie reviews in about 75 minutes, which I think is pretty impressive for the searchers, because you all know we like to go a little long. As you can tell by this series name, these episodes will feature us trading movies for independent reviews. As previously announced, Chris and I review Execution Squad from 1972 in the next episode. And without further ado, here is Trading Post Episode 1 with Chris, Kevin, and myself. Hope you enjoy Thanks for listening. Kevin, since you're back with us this week, <laughs> I... It's been a long time coming, I know. Hello, it's everybody. It's been, been a little I'm while. I'm finally back. <laughs> and I wanted to uh, start this off with the movie that I suggested for you, which was Breaking Away. Mm-hmm. Yes, so sir. Breaking want, away. Yeah, do you want to tell the fine people a little bit about it? Yes, what sir. You, what so, your thoughts are? So it's a sweet coming of age story about a group of friends who had just finished high school and each one played by a like each one, it's kind of an ensemble cast. You have a young Dennis Squaid, you have 
pre-Marv from Home Alone, Daniel Stern, which was really odd to see him as a as a really as a young kid. <laughs> and you have Jackie Earl Haley, which many of you might know for he's more of a character actor, I think uh is fair to say. But for a lot of people, I think he's made himself known playing Rorschach in Zack Snyder's Watchmen, a very young Jackie Earl Haley. And I think this one actor isn't really as well known as the other three, but he plays our protagonist of the story. Uh, and he's played by Dennis Christopher. So it's a coming-of-age story about these uh, young kids who live in the poor area of Bloomington, Indiana, and they are so lower-class, very working-class. They come from working-class families, and they are also, since they're lower-class, they're known as the cutters among the middle-class and the high societal um, class of people. But the story follows them and their plight through society to try to be seen as more than just these these kids who have no future. They need mm-hmm. to be seen as these kids who actually have dreams, hopes and dreams, just as much as everyone does. And I thought that Peter Yates, I'm not really too familiar with his filmography, uh, but he his directional style I think might be an acquired taste for a lot of people. Uh, He, in my opinion, I feel that instead of kind of giving you actually, okay, this is how I should say it. Initially, it sort of feels like a fleeting look at life in Bloomington. It's, it's, it didn't really feel like I want you to, you know, experience this or feel this alongside the characters. And the way I saw it was I felt like it was focused, but, at the same time, somewhat unfocused, because later on you get the you finally get the idea that Dennis Christopher's um, Dave and uh, his his plight uh, to become you know a professional bicyclist or to uh, to race against the Italian bicycle team that he's looked up to for many years, and it's actually so, so for so long, and it's actually kind of an adorable look at that. And you see uh, his, the troubles that he has within his own family because, you know, again, working class family. In a way, it felt there was sort of a pull. Uh, well, for me, it, it felt that I think it shouldn't only look at uh, Dave's uh, story. It should look at each one of the Cutter's stories. Like, what's wrong with Daniel Stern's character? What's wrong with Dennis Quaid's character and Jackie Earl Haley's character? And it gives you, as I said, fleeting look. It gives you kind of a fleeting look at that. But it only explains it via words, via certain scenes in which you get the idea, oh, okay, this is where this person is. This is what this person's dealing with right now. But it always goes back to Dave and his plight. And... So initially, I, I said that it was focused but unfocused, but I think the the sort of magical thing that uh, Peter Yates does is to make you see that each one of the cutters, their plights kind of tie in and live within the plight of Dave and his dream to race against, to, you know, become a professional bicyclist, if, if that's fair they to say. They support him in, in it, brotherhood. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like it's kind of cool because you don't realize that until until the very end, the final race in which, uh, long story short, they show the rest of Bloomington 
including all the college kids who, you know, it's easy for them. They've got an easy living situation. They've got all their money from their parents. And you look at the high societal class, they finally see the cutters as, I guess you can say, one of them. They see that, oh, these people are actually worth something. They're not just these, you know, low-class individuals with no future and no manners whatsoever. So it's actually, it was actually kind of magical because initially I thought this isn't really, this seems, I'm not as into it, but as the film kept going on, I gradually got myself into it. And at the end, oh, I figured out this is actually quite a beautiful film. Yeah, that's, I like, I like where you came from with that how you how you had a slow start but then it, it mm-hmm. builds and it kind of mirrors the slow start of dave as to just right. finally get to the point of, of success so it's it's actually kind of it's actually pretty fitting i what i remember the most from watching it is i love the balance there is between the the, the drama of the movie and mm-hmm. how dennis christopher is so into Italians. and Italians, <laughs> Italians that he <laughs> he imitates the he imitates the accent and yeah. his dad it drives his dad insane. I, That's I, probably I just, one of the funniest parts of this film. I love the dynamic. That dynamic yeah. is it's it's perfect. So I'll tell you that when I first watched the movie, I I had the flu, and this was this was a few years ago. Oh. So I I had the movie sitting around, and I felt terrible. And I was like, I have nothing better to do right now. Let's just knock this movie out because I have it. And my mood just completely changed for that day. I, mm-hmm. I was on the couch. I was knocked out off my feet. And then I watched the movie and I felt like I had been in the sun for <laughs> for an hour and a half or two hours, however long the movie is. Um, yeah. So I really appreciate when a coming coming of age movie really has that emotive response. Because mm-hmm. with youth, mm-hmm. with youth, you kind of feel like the when, when at least when I think of youth, it's like you think about the days when you played out in the fields or ran around in the woods, and I, I kind of I got that from breaking away. Those were the days. Those were the days, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to like what you said about uh, the dynamic between Dennis Christopher's Dave and his father, whose the actor's name is already slipping my mind, but just to see the growth of that and. Because even it's not only society, like high society that looks down upon these individuals, but even even Dave's own father looks down on him and believes that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I mean, this kid has no future. My own son has no future. He's doing nothing with his life. But then you get to that point where uh, Dave has been really just been cheated on by the the Italian bicycling team that he's looked up to because they really screwed him over during that one race. And he comes back and he's crying. He loses the Italian accent instead of instead of referring to his dad as papa. He's like dad, and then he's like, oh dad, <laughs> you're calling me dad now. And then it, there's like a really like sweet moment where he he leans over and then he puts his he puts his head on his father's shoulder and just starts crying. And then from then on, you yeah. you you realize like his father realizes, oh you know no no my kid's got these hopes and dreams and he's been working hard at it. I shouldn't be like this to him even though he's not following the direction that I'd like him to follow, but he's got that spirit in there that'll lead him somewhere. So right. once he realizes that, it, it's actually, yeah, Breaking Away, it's a really, really beautiful film. Well, Call Me Off Guard 2 is the, the, how it implements the sports angle. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't, 
actively seek out quote unquote sports movies. Yeah. Most of the popular popular ones like Rocky, you know, they have (laughs) a lot of good, a lot of boxing movies have that, have that Mm -hmm. cycle of good, heavy drama. And you definitely don't hear about bicycling, cycling movies that are like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are turned off when you hear like sports, sports movie. I don't really think yeah, people they, they, go out of their way to watch those. You know what they, I mean? They think it's they think it's generic, and in, in a way, I feel like I, I have some friends who think that war movies are generic. But you know, I mean, I think you, you really need to give movies like this a chance because you don't really know what you're running into. I didn't know what I was running into when you gave me Breaking Away, and then it's like gradual again, gradually you it becomes something magical. It. You you pick up on it, and you're like, oh hey, I realize it now. This is great. All right. So one last question is. Have you seen other Peter Yates films or is this your first intro into Peter Yates? Do you know off the top of your head? I believe this is my very first uh, Peter Yates film. I know the name Peter Yates and I want to say that I've seen a movie from him before, but I just cannot. uh, Think of any. Yeah, he's worked with a lot of people. You need to watch Bullet, man. Bullet. Oh, I'm so I'm an idiot because I did see Bullet. That's what I'm referring to. Okay, yes, I did see a Peter so Yates film. Bullet with Steve Steve McQueen. Yes. So this he's is my done, second one. This is my second, second one. Yeah, yeah. So he's got. If you look through his catalog one day, you, you'll see that he's got a handful of other popular titles. I'm right, really glad right. that you that you watched it and you took away basically what I enjoyed from the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> That's awesome. t- that's time, amigos. <laughs> now I want to watch this freaking movie. Very nice. Ooh, I just sold it. <laughs> yes, that's good, Kev. That's good. It, it's yeah. yeah, Ben. It's I'd recommend it. Yeah, I, I like it. Dennis Quaid. It's, so it's a lighthearted. It's a lighthearted movie about brotherhood, and you just you, I felt good after watching it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking yeah. of that, of speaking speaking of uh, Jackie Earl Haley, you guys need to watch. If you like this, Kevin, you should watch Losing It from 82 with losing it okay and it's right yeah now. it's about these high schoolers that go to uh tijuana and tom cruise is one of them it's it's oh really it's very in vain of what this of breaking away and i think uh, you would enjoy it just because of the shenanigans but yeah <laughs> uh so yeah moving on otherwise we'll talk about this for 30 minutes right uh, yes. yes all right so the next on the list christopher I gave you. Yes. Going through your list of movies you've seen, and I'm like, wait, wait, Chris hasn't seen Tom Popo? Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, this guy has seen so many more movies than uh, Kevin and I. He's like in the four or five thousands or some shit like that. And I was like, <laughs> this is awful and must be remedied now. So I did it. Um, I assigned Chris Tom Popo. So, by, uh, yes. directed by Juzo Atami. But yeah, so uh, how was it, Mr. Christopher? Yeah, so really glad that you recommended this, if only because it was a quote-unquote gaping hole in my watch list. I, all of my friends have basically seen this movie, and it was all high praise also. You know, four stars, four and a half stars, five stars. Yeah. So it's like, I, I have to watch this movie. Um, that's not to say also that Letterboxd has a thing for 
Erotica. Lesser known. Erotic. Lesser known <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> lesser known Japanese films, I would say. So this is our second Japanese film. It is. It is. And I will say that this film, I have never seen another film capture food like this one has. And I'm sure that's everyone's takeaway after they watch this movie. Yeah. Otherwise, my immediate connection was to a movie called Drifting Clouds from 1996. It's an Aki Karasmaki film. Are you guys familiar? I am not familiar. No. Okay. I believe he's a Finnish director and he he has a very distinct style um but that movie is also about how there is this woman who wants to start her own business but they are on the bottom of the food chain for her lack of a better term um in society like they're they're low class and they want to they want to have the dream of making a restaurant um where people can go and enjoy food um that one touches more up upon themes of um i guess it's more of like the class structure and how that works where tempopo instead is more literally focused on the food um even though again the lead character here she wants to she also wants to make a business and and also get that relationship with the people that she makes food for and um create that atmosphere so the whole movie is a love of food the desire to treat it well and respect it immediately the first 10 minutes hits you upside the head with that um and that this idea that respecting food means you ultimately respect yourself your body your health um on top of the love that you have for it um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my other immediate takeaway was i loved the small bits that were in between the main plot so you have these like little comedic reprieves um that have nothing to do with the, ga- the gangster lady. the gangsters well you have yeah. you have so you have the yakuza subplot yeah. i guess yes. but then but you also have these you have these other really finite small sections that the the one thread that connects them all is food um but but they're very cheeky in how they and how it gets there um for example <laughs> because it's the first one that pops into my head when the when the end credits roll there's a little baby nursing with nursing on his mother and it's like i love that because we start that that's where we start man that's where that's where we start that's that that is food right so um just a general it's just a general little uh synopsis over all the other small things but if, if you look into the movie and you read what other people think about it a lot of folks compare those smaller comedic bits to um to charlie chaplin and I know that was actually done on purpose, I believe, by Itami, Ben. If unless if I don't know something you don't know. No, I've seen the movie uh, okay. many uh, times, but I, I've not delved into it that much. I think there's one specific uh, side moment that actually relates to Charles Chaplin, and if I'm recalling correctly, because I'm not looking at notes right now, it's the scene where Subtle flex. the <laughs> it's the scene where the where the, <laughs> where the vagabond is making the little boy a rice omelet and it's a little comedic because he sneaks into the kitchen and there's it keeps slipping between him making the omelet and then um a guy who works on the ship or wherever the kitchen is um 
trying to find where the food is being made. So like they're not trying to get caught and it's a little bit of like a silent movie gimmick that's happening there. And I, 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 I really like that. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that scene. It's, it's nice. You're describing the uh, images, Chris. It's just kind of, it's coming back to me. I mean, I well, think I was smiling throughout the entire film on the first time I saw Tampopo myself. Yeah. It, it, little moments like that. I really appreciate. And then of course there's the main course, which is uh, Tampopo right and how she makes a restaurant and it's got this very western feel to it thanks to the actor who plays if Goro. you didn't if you didn't bring that up uh, on the searchers podcast i would have been like what <laughs> the hell man it's not a, not, a sp- heard- not a spaghetti western a ramen western yeah. two different type of yeah. you know two different types yes. of noodles you know Touché. <laughs> Touché. i like that ramen western all right um i did not coin that other people i stole that i was gonna say that's very clever but- <laughs> exactly what you don't want me to play something right now do you was i supposed to play that oh okay so no so now i'll get into this other part so i think my absolute favorite part of the movie is the music so i don't know how atami knows this stuff i guess when it comes to music because um there's a piece by franz Liszt called les preludes and i probably butchered that title because it's it's very french um <laughs> And it's it's so appropriate that he uses this song because when you look at the musical analysis and the composition of this particular piece, it's broken down into multiple sections. Um, and it, it goes through Almost romantic like, overtones. like courses of a meal? Courses of a meal. It's very mm-hmm. layered. It's very layered. And the, the, the song, I'm, we're going to... I'm going to have Ben play everybody a piece of the song. Oh, it's been playing. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. (laughs) Very good. Um, So this whole song is just really beautiful. It's it's like Ben said, courses of a meal, but it's layered and it's got themes that it retreads. It it makes a lot of callbacks to the beginning, um, the beginning themes that it, that it starts with. And I think it's, I think it just really ties the whole movie together. Really, really liked Itami's choice of music. Um, not to mention that he also uses Gustav Mahler's Symphony Number no. One and Symphony Symphony Number no. Five. Um, also, really good pieces of music. And if I actually had more time, I was going to do a little analysis on on where Itami actually implements these pieces of music during the movie because I think I think there's something else going on here with how he uses the music and that's you're okay with me leaving this play like the rest of the episode right it's fine i'll tell you right now <laughs> i have listened to i have listened to les preludes on repeat since i watched tampopo four or five days ago hell yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so. i love it yeah, that's my that's my two cents on Tampopo. So I, I really I really liked it. It was very enjoyable, and never seen a movie that cover food that covers food like that. You probably never will again. How'd you like the oyster scene? That was very <laughs> erotic for you. <laughs> you mean the oyster scene or the egg scene? Oh, you had to go I was there. Gonna say the egg scene. I was gonna say hey, the egg. Scene. I was keeping it PG thirteen, and you just had to go rated X. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was definitely. I've never seen something like that done in, mo- in a movie. And I will say the 
only other memorable scene um, that I've recalled in a movie is when Rocky cracks open like seven raw eggs and then he drinks the glass. Or Paul, like, or Paul Newman in The yeah. Verdict. Yes. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, he does Beat that too. It, too. Man. Damn. And it's the same hey, time I mentioned Rocky. Around these episode, parts, you got to draw really fast. Weird. You got to draw fast around these yeah. parts. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I got. Next that's time. All I got. So I really wanted, when you brought up the Yakuza part, I was like, it's too real because I don't know if you knew, but uh, Itami was actually like, the Yakuza made him commit suicide. So they like kind of killed him because of a movie he made. I thought that was kind of interesting. I, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Oh boy. <laughs> but. That's a downer, so we're not going to end on a downer because we have 30 seconds left, Chris, and I want to recommend to you, just on your own time, if you have it, um, yes. if you have time, you should watch Supermarket Woman by him. I know, I know that you and our friend Dylan have mentioned that Daddy -o. movie. Daddy-O. Shout out to Daddy-O. Yeah, you guys have mentioned that film, and it's on my radar. All right, is that, are we good? I think we're- uh, I am good. We're moving on. Yeah. All right, so Chris, it's you. Uh, what are we, what am I covering? <laughs> you, sir, I picked for you a little movie. Once again, I am bringing up John Frankenheimer. Can't help himself. Every freaking episode, help it's too much. I know people are probably tired of hearing me talk about him. Um, <laughs> I'm not. For you, now it's your turn to talk about John Frankenheimer. So now that we've watched you and I covered Le Mans. Uh, a few weeks ago, another racing movie. This Yeesh. time, I recommended to you Grand Prix from yeah. 1966. A fortuitous timing, because uh, I believe we, for this episode, we actually we planned it before we said we were going to do Le Mans. So, funny enough, mm -hmm. it, it worked out that I'm doing these, I'm watching these the same year, same, well, within a two-month span. But, yeah, so Grand Prix is much longer than Le Mans because it focuses on a group of racers in the Formula One racing in the 60s. And so you have, um, what's his name? Uh, James Garner. Uh, you have some other, I'm not really familiar with this French guy. I don't even know if I can pronounce his name to be quite honest with you. Ives Montan. There you go. All right, so it is not. It is not. Or it's yeah. Eve. Or it's Eve. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't exactly know. Okay. So you have him as one as a French racer. You have Brian Bedford playing a British racer. And you have uh, James Garner, obviously, as an American. Oh, and you, you also have um, Antonio Sabato, who is in a lot of Poliziotteschi movies. Funny enough. Well, uh, relevant. Well, relevant. Don't say anything because it's, uh, it's, it's a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> this comes out before. <laughs> this comes out before that episode. It has Toshiro Mifune, which honestly was like one of the biggest draws for me because I was like, hell yeah, I get to have another notch in the belt for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this yeah. movie focuses on, in the first act, it goes into the lives of not, not only the professional lives, but the personal lives of these racers. And then a bunch of really bad stuff happens to all of them. And then you go through two, two more acts to, to get some resolutions. I, I'm not going to touch upon this the uh, plot points just because it would it would spoil too much but basically you have a character driven drama and unlike Le Mans there's not really a lot of character character driven drama in Le Mans that movie is much more focused on the actual act of racing in terms of 
not winning, but just racing, just being there and, and doing it. And in this one in Grand Prix, Frankenheimer's characters, all the racers, that is, all the other supporting characters don't, but the race the race car drivers all want to win, obviously, the Grand Prix at the end. So that's the, that's a really big difference. Uh, this movie is mm-hmm. much, much longer. It's it's almost three hours, which I wanted to kill. I wanted to strangle Chris. And, and I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I've, I've watched plenty of, <laughs> plenty of three-hour movies. It was 90-minute rule. Nah, not 90. <laughs> hours, like, oh, no. 120. But, uh, Give or take. Yeah, yeah. No, there was uh, there was good reason. I, I do think the second act dragged a little bit with one of the uh, characters, but I love the James Garner dynamic with Tashira Mifune as his like sponsor slash boss. I mean, that's just I could never picture Tashira Mifune in a racing movie, but wasn't he in like Cannonball Run <laughs> or something or Safari Five Thousand? Nah, Cannonball Run, I'm not sure. Was it no no what, what, no? Was he Jackie Chan's Jackie, Chan's Jackie Chan? Jackie Chan. Jackie's in that. Yeah, but Jackie. I want to say Jackie's he's in, in another there. racing movie too. My name's John Wen. John Wayne? John Wen. <laughs> That's a terrible cowboy name. Jackie name drop. He yes. Might, he might be Jackie name drop. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a uh, Japanese racing movie safari 5000 that's on my list again a three-hour racing movie i'm like shit man come on like can anybody <laughs> just shorten their freaking run times mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie focuses on all these characters and their struggles with very you know a lot of ro- there's actually a lot of romantic subplots so if you're into the romance part of you know any type of movie you're gonna you're gonna be in for a treat for yourself um there's actually a lot of drama with the with with crashes multiple crashes happen and they're like absolutely awful like terrible like in Lamont, they kind of it's one of those things where a, a crash happens and they kind of focus on it but then they they're, you're right back to the race it's like no one gives a right. shit no one gives a shit about the the fucking crash like right are, the uh uncultured americans are like oh crashes in nascar man yeah but like <laughs> no, in, in European racing, it's like they don't care about like the crashes; stuff, they only care about the people winning and the racing. In Le Mans, it's more like I feel like McQueen's angle is more like I've got a job to do. Are you sure you're not a rapper? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this movie was doing a lot. I, I want to go into. I, I really don't have many written down, but I want to go into the aspects of Frankenheimer's direction. And the mm-hmm. the editing is actually some of the most phenomenal editing I've ever seen in my life. Well, that's really that, a hard thing to say, awesome. but it, it's a it is, it's but... a very well edited movie. And for being so long, I was like, this is probably going to drag. Like, but it, it never does. It doesn't drag in terms of any of the action. I think some of the the the, the parts that that quote unquote drag are the character parts, um, the character interactions. Uh, between melodrama. yeah, between between melodrama. Ma- between man and woman, there's a couple of them in there where I'm just like, "Come on, John, this could have been cut down. It's like five minutes. We could get give us thirty seconds, you know. Come on." But yeah, in Steve McQueen's movie, I think it's more about the pursuit mm-hmm. of racing. It doesn't matter if you win or not. It's about being there in the moment, doing like being what you know. It's really corny to say, but being one with the car or whatever. I'm not a race car. I'm not a race car driver. Um, That movie's about that. And then this movie is about like, I want to be number one. I want to be the the best there is. And that's kind of the focus besides, besides the melodrama. It's about winning, 
But I do think the racing scenes, I mean, some of those bank shots of just the cars going on like 45 degree angles and shit. Like it's, it's really cool. I, I, yeah. I wish this movie was like a two hour movie. I'd rewatch it like all the time. <laughs> all the time. It's really, yeah. yeah oh, if man. I, maybe I'll just like edit it myself and just cut out all the, I'll just make it the <laughs> racing. Well, well, Ben, I'll be like Steve McQueen. Like, I just want a racing movie. Uh, well, FYI, if I did my math correctly, when I first watched this movie, I believe it's 50 minutes of racing straight, like out of the three hour, almost three hour runtime. It's almost an hour, think, almost an hour yeah. of straight racing. Almost an hour. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you get a lot and the action is alley. good. I don't know. Three hours is a lot for me. Going back to the Le Mans episode, do you see what I meant when I said that I think they are pretty equal in their technical aspects? Um, I mean, at least I, I thought I think they are. Maybe they maybe they the technical they aspects of the things. of the filming of the racing. Yes. Yes. Right. I like want to say I, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't have any proof, but I want to say McQueen saw this movie for sure. Okay, so you. But he that, he would never have admitted that he hated that he no. wasn't he wasn't the star of this movie. He hated that. Well, because if you oh, remember, interesting. Yes, yeah, Kevin. So I don't think you go back that, and listen but, to the episode, um, man. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I've been out of the loop, people. Jeez. But Ben, I think I I think I hinted that when we talked about the movie because we both agree that McQueen would have never have would have admitted it uh, because a line was crossed between him and. James Garner. I don't think it was between him and Frankenheimer. They made up. Right? I think what happened was so what happened was they were neighbors and he kind of felt betrayed and he was just a very oh, I don't want to make this about McQueen, but basically they were neighbors and friends and obviously big stars at the time in the sixties. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of FaceTime together and I don't think they talked for I think James Garner said in an interview like they didn't talk for like three years after that phone call. Oh or, wow. Yeah. I mean McQueen held a grudge which makes sense to a degree just his persona but if you're a big star like that well it's like it seems bound to happen too right yeah yeah mcqueen is like kind of i want to say well he didn't live as long obviously but Mm -hmm. kind of like tom cruise and that he like doing all his own stuff i I liked it but i liked that movie slightly better actually kevin we fucked up and we didn't we we didn't give your rating We didn't give your rating. My rating. We'll we'll oh, we'll, we'll do it. For a, we'll away. do it in a we'll second. Do it later. I got. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. do them all at the end. How about that? We'll do them all at the end. Yeah, we'll do them all at the end. Now, you, now the listeners have to listen all the way through. Ha 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 ha. Um, the last thing I'll say about this movie is if you are a car fanatic, this movie features a lot of the Ferrari production factory and just like they actually Ferrari like gave the blessing to Frankenheimer and team to like, all right, like we, they were skeptical at first, but they gave the buy-in and said, you can come over here and film in our, in our factory with the actual race cars being built during filming. And that's pretty cool. So if you're like, yeah. again, as we said in the other episode, if you're a petrol head, you want to watch this movie. You're going to love it. Yeah. I, my, my time's almost up. All I want to say is I'll give the rating at the end, but I like Lamont a little bit better, but I think, a lot of that has to do with it, it being th- three hours. That the cr- Grand Prix being three hours was a little much for me. Sure. But sure. Uh, that's uh, that's my time. So we'll move there on. And back to the top of the order. So, Mr. Chan. Here we go. Um, I recommended to you, or I, I guess assigned, or I forced you. 
<laughs> you know, held your held your uh, we all forced each other. Held your head underwater and made you watch it. Hold a knife to my throat. Yes, a gun to your head. Whatever. No. Clock would have oranged it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I assigned to you a movie that I've seen a. It was a while ago, but it was. Oh, so it you was seen it in a while. I had not seen it in a it's few years, a but I, when I watched this movie, oh. it was like extremely poetic to me, and yes, it was very it moving. Um, still, still walking by Hirokazu Koreda, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna let you take it away. How'd you like this? I loved this film. Like, really, really, yes. really did love this film, and I think so. I had been planning. It's funny because you brought up a. How do you say it, Ben? I think you Koreeda, but you have to say it fast, like a Japanese person. Koreeda. Yeah, that's, exactly. So his his style of filmmaking. I mean, the one film that I had been planning to watch out of his docket of movies was Afterlife. So when you mentioned Still Walking, I thought, oh, okay, never mind. Here we go. I'm going to go with this film then. And I think he does get uh, compared a lot to Ozu. Yep. That's Good. very true. Right? I was going to bring that up well, if you didn't, because yeah, well, well, I mean, I, I think, I, I think that is uh, definitely a very, very fair assessment to compare him to Ozu. But there is still a nuance to it because the both of them talk about they they deal with tradition in their own different ways, but they also they also really hone in on the importance of keeping tradition, but. I have to say that there is a difference uh, between their style of direction, whereas Ozu likes to use still shots to kind of bring an adoration to not only the family, but the protagonist. He puts the protagonist at the very center of the frame, and there's a sort of adoration about it. Whereas with Quareda, I think I still butchered the name, but the way he deals with cinematography is that he kind of gives you, he kind of paints the camera as a, uh, as if a kid is peeking through the window frame to see what's going on. And I thought that was very interesting because it, it, it was like a peek at familial life and the inner workings of familial life, all the aches and pains that happen throughout familial, familial life. So I thought the use of the camera was really interesting in that. And I'll go through the plot really quickly, but basically uh, there is a family. There is a retired doctor living with an elderly retired doctor living with his wife and his son and daughter both with families of their own, they come over and they they visit them to commemorate the death of the eldest son who drowned um, 12 years before the events of this film. And they don't only get together to commemorate his death, but they also, what, what's also kind of painful is that each character, uh, whenever they see each other, their aches and pains from the past are brought up to the surface once again and they have to deal with it. So really what uh what you know Koyeda does he he shows the importance of what hardships individuals may be enduring underneath the peaceful or tough facades and that's how on top of what I said about the cinematography there's a serenity involved in every single aspect of uh delivery and what what he does is that he not only shows the hardships that individuals go through but they also but he also proves the beauty of such hardships and the beauty of human imperfection and you know what may be imperfections about human predispositions are actually wonderful realizations about what it means to live and to be thankful to do so 
So in a way, that was what I took from the film, whereas like, you know, for you to be able to experience those kinds of emotions like sadness on, you know, besides the joy of a reunion or the uncomfort, the sort of timidity about reuniting uh, with someone based on what they think of you and what they expect of you, there still is a beauty to it all because you kind of, the fact that you are feeling these kinds of emotions show you what it means to live and quite frankly to still be walking and i thought there that was what he was trying to paint was just that beauty of human imperfection and human aches and pains and trying to overcome those sins from the past and trying to rectify that when you still can and i thought that was all summed up really well in still walking i if no one has seen still walking that it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna tug at your heartstrings now now i want to watch this movie again it's been three years (laughs) i think you are probably gonna shed a tear then i have Uh, not seen it i'm chris i think you are gonna love it yes very cool i so i i really i get shit from from some people from not liking ozu just because for whatever reason i just i don't vibe with like just the overall like aesthetic and I like the the very very close shots. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Tommy shots, right? <laughs> what? Yeah, but watch the ones famous... that I mentioned. Then I will, yeah. I will. But yeah, all I want to say spring is spring and early summer. Yeah, like Korea definitely I feel like has the same themes in his movies, and they're more palatable to me just because of the way he makes his movies. And I'm super glad that. that you like this film, like. I, I rated it a nine out of 10 the first time I saw it, but yeah, I got to rewatch it. I, I definitely know. I liked it then Did, in my, in my review, I had a note about um, the guitar duo. Did you like the music? I, I love that music, right? When you hear that guitar theme in the beginning, when you, when you see the, the, the retired father just walking through the streets of, uh, of their hometown. And it's, again, it goes back to what I said about serenity. There's a serenity in, from the very beginning all the way till the end, a serenity in the joy and even a serenity in the heartbreak and the real, the discovery of one's past sins, even though they're uncomfortable to hear, even though they're undesirable to hear, still there remains a sort of serenity over it. And it's amazing when a director is able to sort of, you know, express that to the viewer and the guitar theme by what's what's the name of the band? Gun, um, Guntiti. Guntiti. Yeah. Well, Guntiti. Guntiti. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like the way you said that. Whoa. <laughs> Excuse me. <Just> <laughs> but the but there the, the theme of that film is uh, I, I love I love that it really adds to the uh, to the style of direction and um yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil Chris, much. Chris, anything. I'm gonna spoil something. It's on fucking Uh-oh. Tubi, you mofo. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 Chris, are, are you still oh. walking after that one? Whoa! <laughs> oh. Hey. Ooh. oh, that was good. Very good. Now, now you have to watch it. You have to watch it now. Chris. I have not seen a Cora Ida film yet. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one to start with. I yeah, think. this is my that was this was my first. I highly recommend it as your first. Yeah, that's my and first too. Yeah. The right. the one after that, if you want like a twofer, like father, like son, like the two they're they're two family dramas and they're like they blow you away. I I highly recommend like father, like son as well. 
like father awesome. like son is also he, yeah. he also really a, he really likes his like father or, or, or like children father and father dynamic. yeah dynamic it's like the parental dynamic it's yeah. got to be it's got to be a personal just like he's injecting himself into his movies obviously it's got to be yeah. that but it is yeah. so it's so hard to describe for me it's just one of those things where it's, it's so moving because i uh, i'm a guy and i have a father and i just understand everything that he has to say and it just yes it is emotional i'll tell you that going off that i just wanted to mention that there is a really uh really touching part of the film where uh the son of the retired doctor he lives under the shadow of his dead brother and the disappointment that comes from that is that his father is disappointed that he did not follow in his brother's or his footsteps to become a doctor instead he goes and becomes a an art restorer or you know someone who works in art restoration on top of that he's married to a a divorced woman who already has a son so it's not only uh you know the son of the retired father who is going through these you know the these what his father you know looks down on him for but his his stepson has to sort of live has not sort of has to live with trying to learn to see him as his own dad because he he lost his own dad when he was when he was very young so adding to like the whole father-son dynamic he you know Coretta adds a complicate a complicated factor to it that adds so much depth to the rest of the story and not repeating not repeating the sins of the father exactly exactly and in a nutshell yeah it's really great exactly and by the way like father like son that is also a favorite of one of our friends bryant bryant tyler who some of some people may know yes yeah that should daddy daddy o and bryant in one episode yes exactly look shout outs hey but yeah still walking yeah, no, I mean, you got 30 seconds, Kevin. Uh, anything else? Any other recommendations? Oh, that, no, I think, I, I think I'm done. All I right, mean, well, I think I sold it. I think I sold it. <laughs> so, you did sell it. You did at, sell it. Yeah. Have you seen Like Father, Like Son? No, no, no. no. All right. This so is my, the, you're not, like you, this is, my first, this is my first film. You're not allowed yeah. to watch Afterlife until you watch Like Father, Like Son. Boom. Ooh, okay. All right. All right. There we go. Is it on Tubi? Uh, give me a minute. It is on, not, but it is on Criterion, so you're good. It's on Criterion. Oh, Channel, cool. yeah. You'll, you'll be able to see it for sure. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And so now, Kevin, you can uh, yes, introduce the next one. Yes. So, Chris, the movie that I recommended to you or rather handed to you was Leo McCary's Love Affair from 1939, starring Charles Boyer and Irene Dunn. And I know I've mentioned Irene Dunn a couple times before, and more, more notably in, in our Ball of Fire episode, which had our first guest of the Searchers podcast, Amy Henserling. And another shout out. What, exactly, another shout out. There we go. So <laughs> I know that I also got made fun of for not only liking Babs, but I but also for liking Irene Dunn. Not made fun of, but I mean teased, which I wholeheartedly accept all of them but but uh what yes. did you think what would, yeah so irene dunn is your number two right behind Babs? My num- i mean my officially num- yeah yeah i think officially yeah my number two very there we go very cool <laughs> we'll say it right here it's official she's my number two. say say it right here and <laughs> another usual too is that you uh like to bring up mccary uh, as like a director yeah. yeah 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 and along with capra 
So that's yes. sort of you know another another story. But they, they, right, these right. guys all share similar themes in their movies mm-hmm. when, when it comes mm-hmm. to you know moral values mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what they mean in mo- in modern society. Um, right. So for love affair, which mm-hmm. I did not know until after I saw the movie, has been remade multiple times. Yes. Um, yes. Into I guess over three generations, really. Yeah, um, right. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it, it is, and it, this is the least known out of the three, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, which is unfortunate because the the first remake was an affair to remember with Cary Grant exactly. and Deborah Kerr. Also, exactly, and also directed by McCary. He remade and his own film. He yeah. remade his own film, and yeah. then the third remake was in the nineties. Um, I don't remember. Yes. Do you know what the title is? I know it has um one of the BDs it, in it. It's still it's still titled Love Affair, I believe. But okay, um, it, it's but, got Beatty it's with, with Annette Benning. It it yeah, it's Warren Warren Beatty with Annette Benning. Yeah, the the, okay. the very like famous you know Hollywood Hollywood royalty couple, which I think honestly I've only I've only seen them in Bugsy, but immediately for I have to say I get I got tired of them so easily, man. I'm just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm like I haven't uh, well, so I haven't seen any of the remakes. I didn't know until after I saw this movie. Um, yeah, but. So, so go, getting in, into love affair, right? Right. Um, yeah. Immediately, there's themes of providence coming into play, and it's yes. really kind of ironic that this comes up because I recommended mm-hmm. to you separately in another format, a summer story, which yeah <laughs> has has a lot of those same things in it. Um, yeah. It all yeah. this also reminded me of the clock from 1945, um, which is a uh, Vincent Minnelli film. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, no, but I, I believe it's on my watch list. Yeah, Judy Garland Vincent and Robert Minnelli. Walker. But it's uh, it's about it's about two star-crossed lovers getting swept up into just the heat of the moment. Might be wrong, but it's you know Robert Walker's like a uh, soldier, and they just meet each other in a train station, and they spend the night together, and they fall in love. Like they get married mm-hmm. right before he gets shipped off. Um, and Love Affair, this film very much reminds me of that and a summer story, all because of these very uh, finite moments that happen between our two leading characters or lovers. Um, the really interesting thing about this movie, though, is that it plays on some themes. It's broken into three parts, right? So you have a first, right. you have a first act that introduces the two lovers um, on a ship. We get to know what their careers are. She is a nightclub singer, and he is like a playboy um, who who is a failure at painting, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's an aspiring painter, yeah. Aspiring painter. And we get introduced to them. They meet each other. The second act, we're taken... Well, not the, I, I don't know if it's really the whole act, but it, the second part that's important is when they go to his grandmother's house um, in the hills right in his in his home country um and then the third part breaks down into this ultimate smackdown of like hope and trust and betrayal and um moral maturity if you will yes Um, perfect so if you look at the film in those broken down into those three ways i or those three sections i think helps because the film is trying to say this really intricate thing about um about public personas versus the private life and 
and for both Terry, right? That's her name. Um, Irene yeah, Dunn's yeah. character, I believe, is named yes. Terry, and yeah, Terry McKay. Um, yeah, and Charles Boyer, his his character's named uh, Michelle or Michael. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael. Uh, uh, it's Michael. Americanized version, but it, yeah, but it's Michael. Ma- <clears throat> Michelle Marnet is Michelle the Mar- French. Yes. Yes. So Terry and Michelle. Um, we learn that both of these characters have a very close relationship with art in some format. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we meet these two people. We can tell them Michelle is the one who is the cynic and has a larger moral wall to climb. Um, And I think this is what makes the third act extra special because up to this point, Michelle has never asked Carrie why she failed to meet at their rendezvous point. Um, Yeah. Because it'd be like an affront to his image and ego. Clearly he has an Uh ego. Um, but then they have this final conversation and their personal walls are torn down and Michelle has this ultimate epiphany. And um, it's ironic that he discovers this epiphany by staring at his own painting in her apartment. So like yeah. art, <laughs> so like art, art means all of these things. It, I, I, I'm trying to explain this the best I can, if I have no, it clear, it. but it's, I get it. it's art in all its forms are where these lovers have, their crossroads right so mm-hmm. after we're introduced and we know what their jobs are we later learn that terry is an nightclub singer um as we hear her sing at his grandmother's house like there's this really beautiful moment there right and then yeah. the couple meets again at the theater where art is displayed right so it's like the, it's these weird moments of providence and art that are converging and and also diffracting this other thing the film is trying to say about public persona and private lives um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i found that all really fascinating and i i don't know if i'm really explaining that well but it's no it was thought-provoking having it play out in a romance film right yeah 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 like all all the kind of uh, the kind of ideas that mccary just mixes all into into one film and the way he executes uh the meaning of it all is just really really like charming and well done and yes. and, and i'll have to say like when when you brought up uh the scene where terry and michelle go to his grandmother's house in in, in his home country that uh, the, the the amazing thing about that is that once they step into that chapel uh and when once they get out it, it kind of sets the entire it it just sets the entire journey of Michel going forward. He kind yes. of gets out of that life of sin and comes out a new man. It changes and him. Mm-hmm. It changes him, and the, and so it's like you know when when you look at the title love affair, it's like you can't you can't be fooled. It's not simply a a romance a, a romantic story about two uh you know two lovers who fall for each other. It's not simply that. There's actually a lot more to it, and and. I don't know. It's like, well, <laughs> hard see, like, to explain. Like, it's it's this is coming back to me now. But like, there's yeah. good examples at the beginning when they're meeting each other. That um, when they're trying to meet each other in like the dining area, all of these yeah. people are like looking at them like they're part of a soap, <laughs> like they're part yeah. of a soap opera. Yeah, like they're oh, what's happening? Here? But, but yeah. this is what I mean. Like you have these scenes where they're trying to be intimate and and private, mm-hmm. but uh-huh. it's it's not working because of their public persona. Exactly. Right. So so then where the art comes in is the artwork is helping them express their inner machinations apart from their public personas. 
So like, it's a very interesting, it's just very interesting to me. It, I, you, you, you brought you know a I mean? new perspective to make me look at the film in a, in a, in a newer a different light, way. Actually. Yeah. yeah it's like, a different it's way like, to look at it. That's great. I like, that. it's like the artwork is a catalyst for where all of these little changes are happening right, in the film. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you explained it really well. Yeah. I, that is, yeah, you're kind of blowing my mind in a way right now. Like I, I never saw it <laughs> via the art uh, aspect. So I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. There we go. Cause it's funny. Cause I, I watched this film. Uh, I had time. I watched this film last night and oh, nice. I, 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 I was able to, yeah, but I, I didn't see it that way until now. So that's, that is, that's something new. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't even bring up the whole thing where she teaches that she, he teaches uh, kids I was gonna say how that. to sing. Like that's like that's another. Isn't that sweet? Song. Isn't that a sweet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But that's that's what I take away from the movie, and um, I really liked it. I really liked it. Uh, I'm I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you really liked it. Yeah, McCary has a way of. Uh, I think he's a master at doing it, but it's also seen in other old movies. I think I mentioned this in uh, about let's do a little callback again to remember the night. Where yes. I mentioned the scene where uh, Babs is playing the piano, or well, you know, yeah, where Sterling Holloway, who you hate, Chris, <laughs> is singing that song, and and also like the, just the scene where Fred McMurray's on the piano sing- singing, and also you take into account the movie from Capra, uh, yeah. Mr. Deeds goes to Mr. Deeds goes to goes to town, and Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur are there's a scene where they there's a there is a form of respite they start singing a song. McCary, yes. I think, was a really was a master at just kind of including music and song into his movies and trying to tie that into the overall the theme of the story. Yeah, exactly. And the way he does that, you know, it, it makes you miss movies like this because there's no way something like that would happen nowadays. People wouldn't care for it nowadays. But you right. look at that; it's uh, there's a very wholesome aspect to it, and it adds to his yeah. uh, his the way. Um, the way people have seen him as someone who understands just understands people in general. And yeah, there's yes, a beauty I, to it. Such a beauty. I like that. I like that. Well explained. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you like that one, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And I need it, to, not, yeah. it, I was just going to say, it's not a, not really a knock at the movie. It's, it's probably my sake, second favorite movie from 1939, only because nice. only angels have wings. Yes. <laughs> I, I like that one too. <laughs> <laughs> another callback another but, callback but this is a very very good movie in a year that had uh insane lineup of movies yeah right gone with the wind wizard of oz yeah yeah crazy year so you, your second favorite your second favorite, i think it, i think uh, it's my second favorite for the year yeah nice nice all right i'd have to i'd have to verify that but um could yeah. be a good a good a good film to start off uh, if you want to get into Leo McCary's filmography. I think The Love Affair might be a good a good way I to start it off. I think you're right, and I actually yeah. like it more than Make Make Way for Tomorrow. Um, yeah, not that I yeah, think that yeah. movie is bad, but I I think this is a step above that for sure. I I think so too. Uh, I would I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Your time's up. All right. Ooh, perfect. Done. Yeah. Three minutes overdue. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. I love it. I thought you were saying that's how much time we had left. No, I, I stopped. <laughs> I stopped the alarm so it wasn't this annoying iPhone. Oh, oh okay, off. okay. Um, oh, sorry. sorry. No, it's cool. Okay. No, it's good. But yes, it sounds like one is left. We have one left, but one it sounds like so far left. everyone's liked everything, which is 
Yes, sir. Might not be the case for the next one. No, I'm kidding. Uh Uh-oh. Well, we'll see. No, I liked it. So, (laughs) So it is Ben's turn. And after I gave Chris Love Affair, I gave Ben Broadcast News, which is a film that is beloved by not only me, but by Chris. And let's do another shout out to Amy once again. She loves the film, too. So, Ben, it's your first time. Well, yeah, it is your first time watching it. What did you think of Broadcast News by James L. Brooks? Yes. So, second time, Kevin. I uh, I rewatched, time, right? I re- I rewatched <laughs> it before the, the uh, episode because I watched it first. Bef- and then watch Grand Prix, and then the three-hour runtime of that movie just erased my memory, so I had to rewatch it. <laughs> no. um, yeah, so broadcast news is about a a news station, and to a degree, but it's about three characters. Uh, it stars William Hurt, who plays Tom, Albert Brooks, who plays Aaron, and Holly Hunter, who plays Jane, yeah. and they are three different. They have three different roles at the news station. William Hurt's character is an an up and coming anchorman. No, not like you know who. I'm not even gonna say the name. Don't even bring it up. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> and uh so and Albert Brooks plays Aaron. He's a he's a journalist who well, I guess writer for the news uh yeah, for the station, for the channel. And Holly Hunter, Jane, she she is the I guess a production director, maybe is her role. Um and so this move this movie goes into the the behind the scenes of making the news and the the focus is a love triangle between these three characters. Holly Hunter likes both of the, well, no, she likes Tom. She's attracted to Tom, but her Jane is attracted to Tom, but Aaron is attracted to Jane. And it's a whole thing that, uh, at, at surface level, it's a pretty good, if you're just going to this movie and just don't think about anything and just say, Oh, it's a pretty good rom-com. Like that, that's what you, a lot of people might get out of this movie, but I think they're, is a little bit of uh, a deeper meaning in it. And that is shown through the ideology of the characters. So yeah, Holly and Holly Hunter's character and Albert Brooks's characters are both extremely, they want to be very, um, have a lot of integrity. They want to be ethical when they report the news. They want to just, you know, report the facts and, and get good stories. But William Hurt's character uh, Tom is an anchorman, and obviously he wants to appeal to the emotions of the audience. So there's this tug of war, not only romantically, but ideolo- um, ideologically. I can't even pronounce that word today. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Got but, it. Got it. Yeah. 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 Struggling, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Can you? I need to hold that. I need to hold down my uh, shoulder pads. Uh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, watch the movie. You'll understand the reference. Uh, but yeah, so there's this ideological um, tug of war, so to speak. And you can use it in a in the facet of just the news, or you can use it in the facet of just life in general and ending up where you're going to end up, almost not even being able to, you know, well, to a degree, you can influence your life, obviously. But sometimes things just aren't meant to be. And 
there's right. there's reasons behind that and there's just um i'm not sure if james l brooks wrote the screenplay kevin or somebody I, else i believe he did yeah i think he did yeah so obviously there's this there's this balancing act of the rom-com um love triangle and this this tug of war between like almost like the the logos and the pathos in the greek uh philosophical i don't even know what you call that i guess you know is there any uh, philosophy majors on the podcast right now? I don't know. <laughs> Pissing them all off. I don't right know. Are now. there? No, just kidding. <laughs> I really did. I watched this movie with my wife, and I, I did like the movie a lot. But I went and saw your ratings, and I was like, wow, you guys really like this movie. <laughs> you really like oh, this to movie. Be fair, to be fair, I, I need to give it a rewatch. But no, it's, I it, can remember. It's good. What, yeah, if I can remember correctly, I mean, what 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 Brooks was trying to do was sort of create this, this bridge or kind of create the sort of parallelism between uh, real life and what goes on behind the scenes uh, when delivering the news. Yes. And I guess, like, you know, you see the message about how, how fake, how disingenuous, how just, you know, I guess unintelligent the news can be and you need to discern which what is true and what's false coming from just you know the romantic aspect with relationships and such with the news organizations and what they're trying to promote there and then you also see that even clearer with what you mentioned about tom and uh, albert brooks's character whose name is already slipping my mind aaron but you know yeah one one is a yeah aaron one is a you know he he means well he's a well-meaning journalist However, he doesn't have the looks of a of a newsman, whereas Tom is has the, look, the looks of a newsman. But he's all you know, all for show. It's like he doesn't really care about what the truth is. He's there to just kind of present it to you, not the truth, but really just whatever the news is. So there's a dichotomy there, and so right. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good juxtaposition and uh, yes. <laughs> literary terms, guys. We went to school. <laughs> um no, took our SATs. It, it's good i just think it's kind of extremely ironic this movie coming out in 1987 and almost what 35 years later almost 34 years later look at the news now and it's just like everything like you know tom just got yeah. his way guys like it's all exactly. make me you know make, make <laughs> me outraged and make me what you know exactly. make me feel shit exactly it was pretty prescient right prescient for times such as these so it's it was relevant like, you know, now too relevant now yeah oh, exactly so broadcast for, news for, sorry i was just gonna say so for me you may have the floor personal <laughs> thank you i have the talking stick talking <laughs> stick guys your own camera <laughs> don't sweat chris <laughs> I, I just want to say that i i have a reason for my high score for this one is i have a big personal connection where i i am totally in uh holly Holly's boots. Jane. Yeah. Holly Hunter. Yeah. Jane. Jane. Yes. I am totally in her shoes, or at least at one point in my life was, where the the scene or the sequence of scenes where she is uh they're under the they're on the clock, they're on the air, and they're they're just they're filming that segment. Um where you can feel the tension in the air between everybody, like that that I've experienced in my life with uh, working in theater on the technical side of things um and on top of that too i i can i've connected with her character in other ways but for me that just that elevated everything for that reason yeah i mean you have a, a personal excuse me you have a personal 
uh, connection. I kind of do. Oh. I was I was in theater, but it's been a while, man. It's like it feels like twenty years <laughs> you were in now. Theater, but... I was in theater. I played the oh, ca- I played the captain or lieutenant in Cinderella. Pretty sure, two thousand six. Two thousand six. Probably probably a strapping young lad. <laughs> I was not as tall as I was now, but I was still pretty tall. Very nice. Had to bring up the height, you know. Whatever. Nice. nice yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, I looked like I, I was a very, <laughs> very nice looking Tom. You know. <laughs> very cool. Uh, William Hurt. No, I do not look alike, but I still look better than him. It's fine. William Hurt, eat your heart out. Eat your, <laughs> eat your fucking heart out, William. Well, I think he's, I think he's actually dead now. But yeah, right. William Hurt died. William yeah. Hurt died. What? I think it was within died. the last year. He R. died R. last year. All right. Hey, hey. Uh, I shouldn't even say it, but uh, how many jabs did he get? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I went there. I think it was cancer. I think William Hurt died of cancer. I think it was cancer too. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. But yes, I look like, like I'm a, I'm a nice looking Tom, you know. People like me. I can cry on command. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I love that. That's amazing. I'm like, oh, a tear <laughs> came out of his eye. It's amazing. Well, okay. For our, for our listeners right now, I can tell you I'm witnessing an actual tear coming from his eye right now. He's, he's making he's Hold making on. it work. Hold on, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, pour some of that alcoholic beer. Yeah, there it is. Hey, this is a seltzer, Kevin. Come on. Class. Trader Trader Joe's. Come on. Oh, okay. That's the uh, But yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Tangents. Tangents. Broadcast news. I, I did dig it. I didn't have a personal connection. I think that's where I kind of... I had a disconnect from that aspect. I liked the... The comedy was great. The writing was great. I thought... Um, Albert Brooks's character absolutely hilarious until he got like yes. ser- until he got serious with, with like the romance stuff. I like before that, I like laugh at every single like insult, right, every right. insult, every like little quip was great. But <laughs> yeah, then the romance hit, and you're like, oh, I, boy. I think okay. I didn't, I didn't even start the timer for this one, so I'm pretty sure we're at 15 minutes. It's fine, but uh, <laughs> all right, let's I'll, 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 no, let's we're not, rate. we're not rating yet, Chris. How dare you! I was gonna. I was gonna say if you guys have anything else to add for broadcast news, we can. Yeah, I was just gonna say that you know there. Leave so it. Leave it to Kevin. To what I said. <laughs> what I said about prescience, uh, kind of like that message is you know you look at broadcast news and you look where we are today with with the media and what they're doing. It it sort of uh, you can say that you know what ties into is uh, is is network the film network. But however, uh, you know, that's more so of a doom and gloom aspect and a, a more of a doom and gloom narrative as to uh, where the news has gone and what, what what goes on behind the scenes and just like what how this affects, you know, everyday work, hardworking people. But you look at broadcast news and there is sort of a, uh, you know, a good way of paralleling the inner workings of media and uh, discerning, you know, how humans act in real life when it comes to relationships, stuff like that. But that's as best as I can ex- as I can explain it. I'm going to have to watch broadcast news again, but it is one film that one the first time I saw it, I I really did love it. I know why you recommended it to me, you know, and I I do I do uh, I do think I would on a second rewatch. Or sorry, a third. I did watch it twice on the third rewatch. Yeah. 
right that wasn't rushed for the podcast because the second one was a little rushed um mm-hmm. i think i'll re- i'll rate it higher and you know just to start out i'll rate i'll rate broadcast news first and we'll go in the the reverse order okay. i was gonna suggest that perfect boom <laughs> great minds think alike christopher <laughs> um so i have your two ratings you you guys both rated this movie a nine yeah and i rated it Again, I liked it. I had a good time. My wife had a good time. She thought it was funny. Um, I rated it a seven point five. It's not like elevated yet to like your guys' level, but I, I liked it a lot. And so that means the searcher score is an eight point five, which is right. I think that's a recommend to the listeners. I don't know. Definitely. That's a recommend, yeah. Is it recommend? Christopher. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. All right. And uh Love Affair. What do you think, Chris? Love Affair, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. All right. That is a 9 out of 10 searcher score. Considering Kevin's 10 out of 10. (laughs) And uh, also recommend. Yes. They're all recommends, by the way. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. They're all just recommends. Yes. (laughs) Who cares about the scores? Um, So, still walking. What did you rate that, Kevin? Still Walking is a 9 out of 10 and will probably, well, I think will go up with a second rewatch. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested for a second rewatch for myself. So that, yeah, that's a 9 yeah. searcher score because I, I rated it at a 9 too. Look at that. Same wavelength. Look at that. Better than anything Beautiful. Ozu. Better than Ozu. Just don't even watch <laughs> <Oof>. that. <laughs> Beautiful. Triggering people. It's fine. All right. A. Grand Prix, Chris rated that a 10. Because he loves JF. I love I love Frankie. K. What can I say? I mean JFK. Frankie. Um, no. Frankie. John Frankenheimer. <laughs> yeah. So I not I'm not gonna get into why, but I'm rating this a six point five. It's it's almost there, Chris. I just really I think okay. the I think the length was the biggest thing that hurt my my rating. So that's still an yeah, eight, yeah, I get that. An eight point two five searcher score. Also recommend. Respectable. None of these are going to be less than an eight. <laughs> They're just not. Yeah. Yeah. This is a positive episode. As you will hear next episode, I'm more positive than Chris. So it's fine. As we learned. As we learned. <laughs> yes. And uh, so Tom Popo. Kevin and I both Almost. have that. We have that at a 10 each. Yeah, we have that. So what 10. do you have? It I at saw at that. 10. I am doing an eight out of 10. That's, out of 10. That is okay. not cool. <laughs> why could you not give us another 10 we couldn't have another big, time. a big country rating just, to, yeah. just, yeah. just to, no, I'm, I'm waiting the next big country style I, rating i love both the movies you guys recommend so tom popo it's a 9.33 that's the highest one so far okay uh, people you gotta go uh, watch go watch tom popo the highest one the highest one we've so far this podcast so far cool. well no no no, no the, theme. the highest one tonight kevin sorry sorry the uh, highest yeah, one tonight yeah, right. Because I was wondering, I was like, wait a minute, big country. We have yeah. that at 10 out of 10. 10. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yes. The last one. Who who went first? Breaking Away, Kevin. Last one, Breaking Away is an 8 out of 10. It was Very almost nice. a little a little less. But, you know, again, as I said, gradually you see the magic of Peter Yates and what he's trying to deliver. And it's an 8 out of 10. Love it. Which is a 9 for the searchers. Because yep. I, I can do nine. math. 9. <laughs> Eight, eight, eight plus ten divided by math. two, guys. It's okay. We're we're here. And <laughs> <laughs> so proud of that. He knows math. Hey, hey, that's like nobody. This is 
episode one of the trade or what the first entry of trading posts like we're definitely gonna have a, right. a trading post where we're gonna have like a like chris is just gonna throw out a one and be like this is the worst movie of all time How- <laughs> since, I'm, since i'm not positive you're not positive at all as we will as Ever. we will soon find out well we're gonna find that out next episode this is hilarious <laughs> it's super meta because we're recording this after but it's fine yeah now but this is the <laughs> teaser for the next episode right? yes you should watch the next episode it is Fantastic. Fantastico. On theme. On brand. On theme. Hey, I'm really, really stoked for the next time we do this because I really enjoy I enjoyed this, this too. This short form. So I don't know. Yeah, this was great. We'll yeah. trade some more things. And hopefully you listeners out there love it too. Yes, sir. Say bye, Chris. <laughs> How dare you? I don't want to. <laughs> Not <laughs> not positive at all. Why don't you knock it off with them negative waves? Why don't you dig how beautiful it is out here? Why don't you say something righteous and hopeful for a change? Crap. All right. I got to stay on brand. We're calling you negative Christopher from now on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All right. Well, all righty. I'm going to let Kevin do the... Uh, the outro. Do you remember our e- email, sir? Uh, the uh, searchers podcast at gmail.com. Is that right? Yes, sir. Mailbag's there. Yes, sir. And there's a mailbag there. So if you have any questions or you want to recommend us anything, go ahead and send us your emails and your, I don't know, if you want to send us some cuss words too. I mean, go for so, it. Someone yeah. just did on Apple. They, 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 oh, re- they re- oh, yeah, that's right. They, they review yeah, yeah. bobbed us. <laughs> <laughs> pseudo intellectual without the intellectual i still remember it which is kind of redundant so bu- bu- it's funny it's okay it's a bunch okay. of mouth Whatever. breathers <laughs> <laughs> not positive people uh, i could have actually what if i what if i review bomb us? two positive people one negative what if it was chris it was chris what if it was chris chris doing it oh, i could have reviewed bomb us myself i did bring it to both your attention Let's not forget. Well, right, right, exactly. You never exactly, know. Exactly. There's that hint there. I love it. You know, he's trying to spice See, things up for us. We can't have all these positive ratings, people. That's pseudo intellectual without the intellectual is just such a I, funny. I love that. Is, I know. I had to call that out. It was just like I can't. I can't forget that quote. It's like wow. This is. Uh, it's like the person was a pseudo intellectual themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like, like they the, don't know what pseudo means. This quote basically explains whoever wrote that. I mean, I just love it. I think it's great. (laughs) It's beautiful. That's a beautiful quote. We got to keep that in there. I love it. I want to go back to it. The Searchers, the Searchers podcast, pseudo intellectual without the intellectual. Exactly. We can make that the tagline for the next. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. I'm going to go back and read it and just bask in the glory of that quote. Oh my goodness. All right. Without, without all that, please rate us on Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. If you if you want to review Obama, uh, that's well, we're gonna read that's it. Cool on, we're gonna re- read it on the show and laugh about it. So by all means, yeah, I can't wait. All right, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Yes, sir. This is the time. This is the place. We are the team. <laughs> the searchers. The searchers. Thanks for listening to The Searchers Podcast. 
If you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies, you can find us on Letterboxd. Ben at Giant13, Chris at Ziglet underscore Murr, and me at Kevin Chan. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com. Until next time, people. Thank you.